Hey guys, welcome in to the Champion Corked Up Podcast. Let's fucking go. You're listening to two Dynasty Champions. Frank, is they this your first it, one? Jackie. This, this is, is my first one? one. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is obviously my first one as well. Uh, feeling pretty good about it. Feeling feeling good. Joe Burrow, J- Jamar Chase doing their thing, helping me win that championship. Felt sweet. Felt real good. I will say it's a running a running a dynasty league. Frank is and winning it is not as fun because at the beginning of the season, everybody kind of you know they give you the money to kind of hold on to. You're kind of the bank. Yeah. So at the yeah. end of the season, you're kind of just like, well, <laughs> I don't have to give someone else a thousand. I guess I'll just keep it. Like yeah. it doesn't really affect you, you know. So no, for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, congratulations to you. You know, congratulations. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people are upset, are mad about it. That makes it even better. That makes it even better. It does. I mean, but most people picked me before the game. I I, think Q may have been the only one who picked DC. And I think, I mean, I think objectively my team was better, but I didn't win by very much. My team, you called the Josh Allen fucking, this just feels like a game where you can do 150. I (laughs) want to do it. I learned if I lost that game, I was ending the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, man, it's just, it, it, he got those two rushing touchdowns, which, which definitely helps. And you said uh, that you literally said that you were like, you know, a couple picks, maybe a rushing touchdown or two. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm watching. I'm like, Jack fucking put this in the ether and this is his fault. People, people should listen to this podcast more if they want to, you know, win their fantasy league, because now yeah. we got two champions running around here talking about stuff. And uh, Frank, uh, we are not talking about a championship team. Because we're talking about the Bears. That's right. We are, Welcome yep. to your extras podcast. That's right. You probably thought listening to this about five minutes in, you're like, all right, what, what are they talking about today? Well, can I get some picks, please, for week 18? Which, Frank, I got to be honest. When we get to the stuff, we're going to talk about that. Let's 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 save our thoughts because because yeah. I think yeah. we both have a similar thought process to it. Uh, so we will save that for uh, for the actual podcast. But for the extras podcast, Frank and I wanted to go a little bit deeper in on on the Bears. Uh, organization, how they're set up right now. You know, we, we've heard some rumblings that it sounds like Ryan Pace may, in fact, be safe, like we've mm-hmm. thought. Uh, and Matt Nagy, most likely going to be gone, as we thought. So, yep. Um, Frank, let's let's go ahead. And, I, I know you wanted to make a case for both. So, yes. where do you want to start? You want to start with the easy one? You want to start with Matt Nagy? Do you want to start with with uh, you want to start with Ryan Pace, or do you want to just say fuck it and we'll just kind of talk about both? So I, th- I think this is what we do, Jackie, for the, for the people. I, I think a good timeline to follow along with that's easier because I think most people listen to us versus watch us. I think it'll be easier to hear this. I say we, we start with pace, 2015, that higher. Because a lot of the things, you know, especially early on through probably 2019, we liked more than we disliked. Uh, him as a scout, a good amount of his draft picks. But then... From 2018 till now, I think is when we group both of them together because they're a package deal at that point. And since that point, since the peak at 2018, it has been downhill. And I think we sort of go from there. So with that being said, before we get started, I think we both agree. Not that we want this to be the case, but if it is the case, if we had to pick one over the other, we're picking Ryan Pace to stay versus Matt Nagy, correct? Yeah, yeah, I don't really think it's a it's a question. If I don't if, right. if I'm forced to pick one or the one or the other, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean at this point I, I would go I would go pace. Yeah. Perfect. So Agreed. 
I wanted to throw that out there just because we are not, you know, because that is the probably what's going to happen. Um, I just wanted to preface all this with that. All right. That being said, let's rewind to 2015. We're here. We're, we're coming off of an atrocious regime with Phil Emery at GM and Mark Trestman at head coach. So what the team needed was some stability. They hire on a young guy who a lot of people were pretty high on coming from the uh, the the pro or the college scouting personnel team of the New Orleans Saints. Here comes Ryan Pace with an um, unorthodox and unexpected deep voice at that podium, just telling you how we're going to win this thing and how we're going to build it up and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I appreciate that. But <laughs> I mean, lo- looking, I'm looking at the roster from 2015 right now. Very talent stricken. And that was one of our points in 2017, 2018. Like, hey, this guy's done a really good job of building this thing up. I mean, you're talking about an aging Cutler, an aging Forte. Alshon Jeffrey was still good then. Um, but then, like, your best player on defense was probably Pernell McPhee, Lamar Houston. Like, I mean, it was, it was, we were, it was bad. Offensive line was pretty bad. You know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't looking good at that point. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people wanted to kill that, you know, the John Fox hire. But again, we it has come out and it not officially confirmed, but we kind of know that wasn't his hire. They needed stability. That's what John Fox was here for, to rebuild a culture to, to get because Trespin was a train wreck. So, you know, it, as much as you would like to say, well, if they tried to hire me as GM and give me the head coach, I wouldn't take it. There's 32 of these jobs, my man. You can you can fucking hire everybody for me. If you're going to give me that job, I'm, I'm probably taking it, right? Um, but do you remember any thoughts that you had just sort of that first year under the the uh, John Fox um, and, and Ryan Pace era, that, that year? Yeah. Uh, at that time, I was definitely... I I felt kind of excited. I'm not going to lie to you because obviously, you know, we have the whole, you know, John Fox rebuilt the pan, like, you know, he turned the Panthers into winners, you know, really quickly. And, you know, oh, you know, he turned around the Broncos super quick. And, you know, you're kind of like, okay, after, like you said, after Trustman, after Emery with the bad, I mean, that 2012 draft class, you look at that, that is one of the worst Bears draft classes of all time. I mean, it's, it's bad. <laughs> It's really, really, really bad. And after, you know, Mark Trestman's weirdness and, you know, Lance Briggs and and Brian Urlacher and all the old vets, you know, starting to close up shop, uh, you kind of saw the end was coming. So it felt like this could be the first, I don't know, it felt right because, you know, it felt like the first page turn, you know, you knew Cutler's time was coming to an end as well. Felt like the end of an era and it, you know, John Fox was a respected head coach, super different from Mark Trussman, just very professional. Um, you know, he hired a lot of coaches you and I were excited about, Vic Fangio, obviously, uh, as well as Adam Gase as the as the offensive coordinator. A lot of things just made sense. Um I didn't I didn't love his first draft. I did I didn't love that 2015 draft. I understand what they were trying to do with Kevin White. But Frank is with, with hindsight now with Ryan Pace being in this job for seven seasons. He doesn't know how to evaluate wide receivers. Like he no. just, he just doesn't. And I, 
I think it's pretty clear that he just missed the mark with that one. And I just didn't love the pick. I, I really, really didn't. Um, but I still felt confident that he could find guys in free agents, free agency. Um, I don't know. It just felt professional. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. It just felt like a, a nice change of pace. No pun, pun intended. not intended. No. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I totally <laughs> agree. And I think that's the same way that I felt. I didn't know if we would be contenders right away. Or if we would be moving on from John Fox in a couple of years, sort of after a culture, like a professional culture was built and it, we weren't a laughing stock anymore. Either way, I was fine with him being the coach because that's what we needed at the time. That wasn't the time to make the sexy offensive coordinator name higher. You know what I mean? Like they tried something different with Tressman. He completely flunked out. Now it's time to get someone who's a professional and knows what they're doing, right? It's it's It was time for stability. But to your point with that draft class that year, I think the biggest miss was Hironis Grasso because mm-hmm. he was supposed to immediately come in and be the starting center. And I just remember in in training camp, like people saying like, he's way smaller than we thought he would be. He's slow. He's really bad. Like he, he's not a starting NFL center. And they were very correct about that. Like that was a huge miss. And when you look at like, to me, the first three rounds have to be impact players. Those are the impact guys. And Kevin White, again, just like you said, hindsight shows us he, you know, Ryan Pace is not very good at evaluating the receiver position, but injuries happen. Just chalk that one. It's his first pick. Who cared? Eddie Goldman winds up being very good. We're years later, you know, say what you will, but then he was very, very good. Yeah. And then Hironis Grasso. So you missed out, of, you missed two out of three right there. Jeremy Langford was also a really bad pick. And not for nothing, another good fifth-round pick, Adrian Amos. I mean, he seems to hit in the fourth and fifth. Adrian Amos wound up being pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then a sixth-round tackle, whatever. Um, but I was right there with you. I wasn't the biggest fan of the draft, especially because Langford couldn't secure the job once Forte left. Like, had he done that, maybe you look at it a little bit different, but he wound up being pretty bad, too. Um, but I think, I think we sort of encapsulated the era as a whole, because I think that's what it was, especially the first two years, even though that second year, it was only a five or, or um, a three win season that I, I think gave me more optimism. Oh, we're early draft pick. We get the quarterback. Jay's leaving. Hey, what are we? Is Deshaun Watson coming? Is, is Mitch Trubisky coming? Is, you know, whoever else, you know, could, could be there. So we sort of had that. And now you're talking about the, uh, the twenty. 16 draft, right? 2016, where they traded up for Leonard Floyd. Yeah. Their first pick. Let which, me see. Uh, which, which. I, I didn't, I didn't hate that pick. I didn't I, either. But, and, and a lot of people didn't, you know, that, that's something to, to remember. But, you know, then I think it got a little, <laughs> a little out of control in the, you know, other rounds. And obviously Leonard Floyd became the player he was supposed to be in, in, uh, in in Los Angeles, yep. where he was in the role that he was supposed to be in. I just don't think the Bears ever really correctly used him. Obviously, they wanted him in coverage a lot, which it that's. I mean, he was good at it, but that's just not what we, you and I, were hoping he would be doing. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I would even say this, Jack. I, I don't know if it was him. If it was the way they used him. A little bit of both. If you hit on Leonard Floyd, you don't give you don't even make the trade for Khalil Mack. You don't need Khalil Mack. Agreed. 
Agreed. So that that that's something I know we're not at to the Cleo Mac part yet, but we're talking about Leonard Floyd here, so you kind of have to. That's a big thing that I think people miss when it comes to that. He was supposed to be the dominant edge rusher for this team, ninth overall. Granted, he like you said, he wasn't bad. He was good at what he was asked to do, but ninth overall. I mean, you're, you 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 want. You know what? You know what? Uh, I I think that it, it was a good precursor in, tel- in terms of telling us what type of GM Ryan Pace was going to be when it came to guys that he liked. He liked guys and still likes guys that are more of a project that are going to be a little bit, take a little bit longer to develop. I mean, Kevin White, what what was his biggest uh, negative? It was that he is, didn't really have a route tree and he was going to have to learn how to use his skill set, you know, to be good in the NFL. Uh, Leonard Floyd guy that was really undersized um, and, you know, was going to be relied on as a pure edge rusher. It's Trubisky. I mean, I don't think I really have to go into detail. Right, right. I think Roquan Smith may have been his, I mean, Adam Shaheen, even, you know, a guy yeah. like that. Um, I really think that, you know, Roquan Smith was probably his first pick where it was just like, all right, plug and play. He'll be fine. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, that's not uncommon for talent evaluators to like fall into that trap. I mean, if you remember, like, we were kids at the time, so I don't remember the details. But, but watching the uh, the Bulls documentary, that was something that was touched uh, touched on on Jerry Krause. He wanted to find the next pip, and he found the small school guy that hit, and now he was looking everywhere to try to do it again. And it's just like that's not how you build. Like it, it, that's so hard to do. Like these guys are, you know, anomalies for a reason. And until something changes, you shouldn't, you know. Now that being said, trust your scouting mind if you succeed it more than not. But it just like you said, it, it feels like there's this sort of profile about him as a GM that we continue to see. But looking at the 2016 draft, Cody Whitehair, very good pick. I mean, he's uh-huh. still a very good offensive Solid lineman. Pick. Yeah, very good pick. But then everything else, Leonard Floyd, you probably give that a, a C plus. Not awful, but certainly not a bust or anything. But then Jonathan Bullard in the third round got nothing out of Nick Kwiatkowski as a backup linebacker at best. He never, he didn't have NFL speed. Deion Bush, fourth round, That's he's a good depth safety, but, I mean, you've gotten better fourth round picks. DeAndre Hall did nothing. Um, Jordan Howard, pretty good pick for the fifth round. Then sixth and seventh is is whatever. You know, DeAndre Houston Carson, Daniel Braverman. Braverman was the preseason. Uh, <laughs> he was the hype machine. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the preseason darling. Um, but, but, he was what Ryan Nall is now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, o- overall, I just remember going into that year, not being super optimistic about anything. And, and th- like I said, like being very happy that we did lose as much because we, we're getting our chance at a quarterback now. Right. So now you're now you fast forward to the the fucking everlasting 2017 season, man. Um, let me if, if you have well, the draft like, pulled up while, while you're looking this up. Yeah. For us, yeah. Um, I want to say that as much as you and I will, you know, hate that draft forever because it, it it blew their chance to win a Super Bowl. Clearly, if they had a yeah you know, a, a different quarterback, I think they win. But I mean, I think it speaks to Ryan Pace and it, and and kind of why it's it's such uh, an a, a quandary, if you will. You know, you see a guy that's seven seasons in without a playoff win as a GM. And you're like, easy answer. He should be gone, which I think that's fair. But I think the reason why it's so 
you know, people are still somewhat divided on it is simply because, I mean, you draft a quarterback in the first round who's not as bad as, as Mitch was, but when you miss on other guys who were clearly better, yeah, he gets fired, right? Nine times out of 10, he's, he's gone. But I think this is the one time out of 10 because of the talent he was able to build on the, the rest of the roster. I mean, he built a Super Bowl championship defense. They just couldn't yeah. capitalize on it. You know what I mean? Yep. No, and and that, and, and we're going to touch even deeper on that once we get to 2018 because and that was why I wanted to bring up a 2015. I mean, his best players on defense were Pernell McPhee and Lamar Houston. You know what I mean? With inside linebacker you know, being Shea McClellan and, and Christian Jones. Like, it was a bad defense, and, and he built that thing. Again, I know we'll, we'll get there. Um, so the 2017 draft picks were... I mean, kind of all busts. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky, Adam Shaheen, Eddie Jackson. I'm, I mean, you sort of busted on Eddie Jackson. Pause twice. You drafted him in the fourth, which is a fourth round pick, but then you paid oh, the man. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like you paid him big money that he's clearly not worth. And then you got Tariq Cohen, who had an impact year or two on losing teams, but now he's hurt. We have no idea what the hell is going on. And then Jordan Morgan. Has he played a snipe? I, I legitimately don't even remember him in a Bears uniform. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Me this is an atrocious 2017. It, now, granted, you're not thinking that then. You're thinking, hey, we may have the, the quarterback of the future. Adam Shaheen has good size, maybe a solid tight end. I I know people at first where he's the he's the Division II Gronk, but the re- realistically, the stuff that I was reading about him was like, hey, he's a big body. He is experimental, but... He should be at the very least a red zone target immediately just because of his size. You're like, okay, you can, you can work with that. I'm cool with that. Right. Right, right, Eddie right. Jackson, a lot of the things where if he didn't break his leg, he's probably a second or even first round pick. You're like, hey, we got that type of talent in the fourth. Nothing worked out. Tariq Cohen just started running east to west for some reason after two good years. Like, so in the moment, these picks didn't seem all that bad unless you were really down on Mitch, which people had the right to be. And I, I will say this, this was the last time I trusted scouts and like pro football focus and different things to do the scouting for me. Because if you read some of these scouting reports on Mitch coming in, you would, I mean, it's the same thing they did with Zach Wilson. Okay, like, yeah. He's the next Mahal. Like you're not, I don't think you're really watching the film or maybe you're just trying to be, you know, different because when I go back and watch Mitch's film, I'm like, what did this scout see he's the same he was the same player that year in North Carolina that he was in year four as a Chicago Bear missing on deep throws you know very inconsistent on the medium stuff but when he was on it looked good it looked pretty you know but it's just there was no consistency it was just he wasn't playing NFL talent at North Carolina that was you know that 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 was the only reason he put up the stats that he did right I watched Frank I watched a lot of college football I had never heard of mentioned until <laughs> that draft. Yeah, until yeah. the draft process really started, I had never heard of of Mitch Trubisky. If I'm being 100 percent honest with you, so that uh, was so for me. That was my first year in dynasty football. So okay. I had started digging into like scouting and stuff, and yeah. I was like, okay, I, I it was a little bit late. I couldn't like do the own, my own scouting, and honestly, I didn't even know how. I had to sort of learn how to scout, what to look for, and kind of before I could develop my own opinions on people. So I trusted other people. And he was pretty much the consensus number one. And again, I think it's just, it could have been racial. It could have been, you know, just people wanting to, to be different. I, he was like 60%, 70% number one on, on a lot of people's boards. Yeah, it definitely wasn't just like a, you know, every other person type thing. It was pretty much, you know, and, and, and people really like to, uh, 
conveniently forget that, if you will, those the analysts yes. of today. They they really like to be like, oh my god. Oh, you mean like the you Bears. mean like Howard making yeah. fun of the Bears pick two years after when he was on record saying the Browns should take Mitch number one over Miles Garrett? That yep. guy? Yep, that guy. That guy. Conveniently forgetting that he had said that, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Um, um yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And, uh, what, what do we got for that twenty? You know, so the twenty seventeen season. You know, Mitch. Uh, and, and again, you, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, get away from some of the stories that came out of that, where uh, John Fox didn't know about the Mitch Trubisky pick because him and Ryan Pace were not on the same page. Ryan Pace deliberately hid that from from John Fox as who he was going to draft. Which, I mean, read that right there tells you how their relationship, how their relationship yeah. was. And and you know, twenty seventeen. Um, you know, we, Mitch had to, Mike Glennon, dude, like, let's, let's not forget. It's easy to just rip on that Mitch, you know, draft pick, but he, he made that arguably was not the worst quarterback decision he made because you know what? At least Mitch can play in the NFL. Mike Glennon was signed to be a starter three-year deal. Granted, it was really only a one-year deal. We know that, but, but he really scouted that position and thought to himself, man, this, this dude could be a starter. I think we can get this guy to be an NFL starter. And looking back on it, you kind of you, you kind of remember when the preseason started and in, in 2017 and, and we really saw Mike Glennon running the offense, I remember being like, man, I don't know about this guy. And then you yeah. start to get worried because you're like, well, if he scout, if Ryan Pace scouted Mike Lennon and and thought he was a starter, what does that mean about you know Mitch? Is that is that you know is that a little worrying? And and looking back on it, yeah, that rightfully so. One hundred percent agree. And I think to to add on to a point that you made with John Fox and Ryan Pace not being on the same page, that shows the ineptitude of the organization as a whole because. How can they be on the same page? That's not his hire. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, you again, I'm not blaming that on Ryan Pace. There's 32 of these jobs, man. And and I know we get sick of it as, as fans, especially not living through 85. But this is an important organization to the NFL. This is one of the original teams. That still means something in NFL circles, as crazy as it sounds. Like, people, that it is a thing. So you're talking about one of 32 jobs being where George Hallis, the fucking founder of the NFL, or one of them, you reigned. That means something. And Ryan Pace took it and he t- kind of took it with what it was. But again, that shows you just the ineptitude of ownership and things, which again, we won't dive too deep into today. It's, it's just that that is the, the head of the snake that we can talk for hours about. But, you know, that that sort of plays into that. And then um, looking at the defense, though, when we're talking about being able to build something, now you're talking about you got Akeem Hicks. You have Eddie Goldman. You have Rich Unrein, who had a couple of really good years under Vic Fangio. You have uh, Sam Acho, who played well. You had that was the first year of Danny Trevathan. Leonard Floyd's doing well, not you know as well as you'd like him to. Cal Fuller, Prince Mukamara, Adrian M. Uh, Amos, Eddie Jackson. I mean, you're talking about a so- that 2017 defense was a top five, like a low key top five defense that year, and no one knew it because we only won five games. Yeah, so to to jump in real quick, this is uh, something that I think goes in in Ryan Pace's favor. Uh, Kyle Fuller going into the 2018 season was a free agent, and 
everyone was kind of like, eh, okay, yeah. I mean, he was, because he, he was fine, right? He was definitely Phil Emery's best pick, no doubt about it, right? But yeah. we were kind of both like, I mean, if he goes, he goes, it's it's fine, you know? And then Ryan, you know, he, he signs with the Packers as a restricted free agent. And Ryan Pace says, uh-uh, nope, hold on. I'm going to match your, I'll match the offer. You're a Chicago bear. And you know, you're kind of like, okay, okay. And then he comes and becomes an all. And then he, he develops into the player that we thought he should be. So that that's gotta be credit to Ryan Pace uh, in, in terms of being able to scout a guy that hadn't really proved a lot and being able to say, you know what? I think we can, I think there's something here. No, totally agree. Totally agree. But, and, and, you know, as as we're sort of breaking this down now, and I know we sort of had these conversations separately, but with it all being in the same place, Ryan Pace isn't so different from Jerry Angelo. It's a lot of pretty good defensive picks, and you built something, and you just can't figure out the offense. Like, yep. again, yep. showing you the ineptitude of ownership. They hired almost the same guy. Like, it, it, it that's what it is. But before we move on to 2018 and getting into the naggy stuff, um, you know, sort of combined with that. And I, I think we should tell the reason why we're doing that too. The first year of Mitchell Trubisky wasn't atrocious. Like, but that being said, I don't think it's because of how good of a prospect that Mitch was per se. I think it was because if you remember, like if you go to like the 2017 highlight reel for Mitch Trubisky, they moved the pocket a ton. Like John Fox really played the strengths and the things that Mitch could do on a football field at that point. So I think we were all left after that year pretty optimistic. Can he be great? Ah, who knows? But he looks competent. He looks like he can do some things on the field. Um, so I think after that year, you know, you go five and eleven. Mitch goes uh, a little over two, almost twenty-two hundred yards, seven tutties, seven picks. Showed some rushing ability. You're like, hey, if we get an offensive guy in here that can cultivate this guy, I can see him being a pretty good quarterback. Again, I, I, I. I, I'm very hesitant to even my own quarterbacks to say like he's gonna be great. I know I made all the Mitch is the goat jokes, but like in a serious, you know what I mean? Like serious Frank doesn't do that. Like I, I, I I'm very with the quarterback position. I'm not quick to say hey he's great. He's gonna be the. That's such a tedious you know uh, position and, and so many things you have to learn. But I think everyone after 2017 was pretty optimistic about him. Um, you know, uh, and then I think it's 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 time to move on to. To, to 2018 here when you get Mr. Offensive Genius, the former offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, Matthew Nagy, to come and be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. And um, I want to pull up the 2018 Bears draft to see that was that was Roquan, right? Yep, that was that was Roquan. That was that was. I think he traded up for Roquan, if I remember. He traded up for well. everybody. For everybody, he, you just assume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was also the second round pick. Uh, he traded up for Anthony Miller, which you and I both really liked at the time because I all did, of the yeah. because all of the, all of what we heard for him was, oh, he's he's Antonio Brown, you know, 2.0, which at the time was like, oh, okay. was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good right. We're not talking about today's Antonio Brown. We're talking about the best receiver in football, Antonio Brown at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, that was, uh, yeah, we, we were excited about that, man. I, I remember yeah. this is this is the first draft that Frank and I actually knew each other Correct. Um, that it happened. So and I remember our first Bears conversation ever, Jack, with you what telling. It? What was it? We were we were at lunch and. 
I was eating my $1 barbecue sandwich because that was all I could afford. And you were telling me you weren't the biggest fan of the Mitch pick. And it wasn't because you didn't necessarily dislike him, but you thought it was a shoe in for Deshaun Watson that you, you, you thought this is, he's the guy he has had too much success in college that you don't take chances on, on people who are inexperienced. And what I told you was you may be correct. You could be right there, but I think the ceiling is a little bit higher with Mitch and I could wind up being wrong, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I, and we, at that point, we both really liked Nagy. We liked, or at least we liked what we heard of Nagy. We didn't know him yet. We didn't, you know, get, get to really see what his offensive philosophy was, but what, based on everything we heard, we're like, this is a guy who can unlock potential is what we thought. And obviously you wound up being way correct. And I, I, I was way wrong, but I do remember us agreeing on one thing. Even if Ryan Pace got that pick wrong, I loved that he got his guy. He, yep. he traded up. He didn't take it to chance for anyone. He didn't care. Like, Someone else could have swooped in. The Niners could have pulled something and drafted drafted Mitch. Who the hell no? He wasn't taking that chance. If he could go up and get his guy, he was going to do it. And that's something that I still respect to this day. Has it got us in a hole? Yes, because he's been wrong more times than not when he's traded up. Or at least didn't like you think like David Montgomery, you could have Damian Harris, right? It's like you didn't have to do you. You had someone comparable or maybe even, you know, these players fall. But. I respect that. I do because if these if these players hit, no one cares about you trading up. You got your guy, and I respect that philosophy. I do. Um, the problem but is 20- that most of them didn't hit when you <laughs> traded up for them. Exactly. Exactly. So 2018. This is another pretty bad draft class. Obviously, Roquan stud. He's he should be an All Pro. James Daniels stud. He's not probably not an All Pro, but a very very good uh, inside lineman. I mean, he, he's either he plays center and guard. And you're talking about Anthony Miller. He did not do what we needed. A rookie year was good, but everything else, he didn't, you know. He's not take even in those, the league anymore. He's not even in the league. I mean, he didn't take those steps. But this goes to your point, again, of evaluating the wide receiver position. Pace isn't very good at it. Then you're talking about another guy, Joel Iubuniway, who has done, I mean, he's a special team. Literally nothing. Yeah, Like, literally, literally nothing. nothing. Like, I mean... And then Bilal Nichols, solid pick, fifth round pick. Again, this guy hits on fifths. Like if we keep him around to do anything, just make the fifth round pick and then just go home for the rest of the year. Like he he hits him. Well, that's a good fifth round pick. And then <laughs> Kylie Fitz and then J- Javon Wims, obviously, who should have been gone way before. Um, but yeah, another overall pretty bad draft class with two probably blue chip prospects and 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 Roquan and, and James Daniels, which as we go, this may have been his best draft, which is kind of unfortunate. Um but yeah, I mean, then the 2018 hits, we're fucking, so we're stoked. You get Khalil Mack, you know, uh, but, but keeping in mind that we shouldn't ha- have had to because um, your first round pick of Leonard Floyd should have been Khalil Mack, but that didn't happen. But anyway, we got him. We're here. If we win a Super Bowl, we don't even complain about it. That's not even a talking point anymore. It is what it is. I mean, Jackie, describe to me the optimism, just the excitement that you had with that 2018 season. Well, it was, it was it was a lot different of an experience for me, especially because it was when I was working on the radio broadcast for the for the Bears. So, like, yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot more personal, I think, because I really got to I, I really felt like I was part of like a part of it in a way that I had never felt it is just obviously a fan, you know, sitting at home watching on TV. Like it felt like it, it was it was a lot more important mm-hmm. Um it was just fun, man. Like it, it had been so long since 
that that team had been fun, you know, and it was an, just an enjoyable Bears team to watch. It was so different. Um, well, not so different. It was pretty similar to, <laughs> to what we had seen, but um, I, I still will never forget that that six touchdown game where Mitch yeah. Trubisky's just – I mean, you and I, like – we 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 I think that's what spawned all those jokes afterwards where we're just like he's throwing seven. He's throwing seven and a half today. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we got a little bit out of control with it. Um but uh Frank, I, I was thinking of this and and I still think it's true. I wish Matt Nagy was more of an unlikable guy because then I would feel more comfortable um calling him a con artist, which I think Ooh. part of I think part of that might be true. It is. I, I think he sold himself as something that he just clearly is not. And that was the offensive genius because I had so many quarterbacks to, to, to prove that he's not the problem. And, and it just hasn't. It just hasn't worked, man. He's clearly niche. You know what no, I'm saying? I, so. I, I, think, I think con artist is, is the right way to describe it because – Going into 2018 and then post-2018, we're still under the impression that he called a lot of games in the Andy Reid offense, but he didn't. He called four of them, and they were like four of the worst games that were called in Kansas City that year. Like He lost them a playoff game because he got conservative in the playoffs when yeah. they had a lead, and you know we don't know this, though. This doesn't come out until 2019 when things are starting to look shaky already. Um but at that point, I mean, we're all in on Nagy. He's a likable guy. He's an offensive genius. It's fun. Fucking Eddie Jackson's catching touchdown passes. Linemen are catching touchdown passes. Club Dub is here. You know, and, and even like, I know he didn't like to run the ball too much. But if you remember when the passing game stopped working in the second half of the year, those last few games, Jordan Howard had some highlight reel truck sticks. You're yeah. thinking, hey, we got a guy. Not only do we have a dynamic running back and Tariq Cohen, we have a guy who can put the game away in Jordan Howard. Like, and you you want to run it down people's throats. So this is the guy that's going to do it. Let's do it. You know, and 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 oh, just the overall fun and optimism that you have. I still think we probably win the Super Bowl if Cody Parkey makes that uh, makes that field goal. We were just like it, it, it obviously would have been in spite of Matt Nagy looking in hindsight, but we were just a better team, dude. That defense was so damn good. Um, but. You know, that came crashing down very, very fast. And when you you look in hindsight, just like you said, I think con artist is the right term to use, too. I've not, I, that's not something that I never thought about using uh, that term. But what really what it, I think what it came down to was a guy who was able to build a really good culture and was a really good coaches or a player's coach. Yeah. Um, he inherited an all-time defense that year. Uh, and, and, you know, defenses didn't have film on the things he did like to do offensively. So for 10 games, it worked for, or eight or nine, whatever it was, it worked. And then when it stopped working, it hasn't worked since <laughs> like it's been the same exact thing. And that's why it's getting worse and worse every single year. So then we flash forward to 2019 and this is the part where, you know, you weren't where I was, but I don't, I don't think I was hopping off the wagon just yet, but I was certainly, I had a toe out. At the very least, because <laughs> remember, I told you there, there was a special. I don't remember what special it was, it was on, but Nagy was like, yeah, man, I just get into this rhythm and I get into this rhythm yeah. and I just start reeling off the plays. And yeah. I said it on this podcast. You could probably go to the archives and find this somewhere. I was like, that didn't make me feel good. Like, what is that? You're not. 
That's not how you're supposed to call plays. You're supp- and this was before week one like when we lost to the Packers like 10 to three or whatever. This was in the preseason. I was like, that's a little bit of a red flag for me. I, I don't know what he meant by that, but you're supposed to have a philosophy that you go by and like know what you want to do. It's not like just ripping it and reeling it off. Like you're not a Call of Duty player, bro. You don't just get hot and like keep going. Like that's yeah. not how this works. But and then you remember and you were like, you know what? That's a good point. We'll see what happens. But I heard that and I like honestly had I and, and obviously it's totally hindsight now had I known that it would have been it could have looked like this I would have jumped out the window and said fire this fucking guy now like I don't care what he looked like last season because you said something like that are you crazy but yeah so th- so that happened um what what I mean what was 2019 man what, what what were the thoughts there disappointing yeah I mean that that's really the the only way I, I'll I'll describe it I mean what other word would you use, really? I mean, they they just I, – I remember – was that – no, no, no. It was 2020 where t- people were picking them to be 3-13, and 13, right? It, it yes. wasn't – you know, I, I think they were still getting like – they were still, you know, 8-8 eight and eight was a very popular pick for them um, in 2019, which I'm like, what are you, crazy? And then, yeah, I mean oh, – I know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't prove to necessarily be, be wrong. But, uh, yeah, I mean – it's unfortunate. It, it was unfortunate. It was just a disappointing season. But uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 just what I've come to expect at this at this point. That's what that's what made me so upset about that season is that every expert predicted regression, and obviously they watched the tape and saw that his offense got stale. And I had not like it just didn't occur to me that. I mean, you were just so in the moment in twenty eighteen. Yeah. That it was just like, ah, though, you know, I, I, we knew the offense didn't look as good, but it's like, he's a genius. He'll figure it out. He knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? And they watched the tape and realized he didn't make any adjustments from week one to week 17, well, week 18 being in the playoffs. And, you know, th- that came true. And that was the reason why they were predicting that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it again, that's sort of the reoccurring theme is that this offense got worse and worse and worse every single year. So I don't know what what more needs to be said about Nagy. The one piece that I do want to add in as very negative marks for him is you trade Jordan Howard. Me and you weren't upset at the time, and I'm still not necessarily upset about it because I think you did get David Montgomery, who's a more versatile running back. Hell, I'd even say probably a better runner, just a better pure runner. Too. Jordan Howard is a good runner. He wasn't a cutter. He needed holes. He he had good vision, but I think Montgomery is objectively better at pretty much everything at, at the running back position. Yeah. But he skateboarded. He skateboarded him is what he did. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we still bought that because we're coming off 2018 and we said, hey, we have two guys that now you don't know if we're running or passing. If we have them, you know, if we have either one in what? Like you knew you were running the ball when Jordan Howard was there. Like he, they, he can't catch. They know what's happening. You know what I mean? Like he's not a, he's not that great of a blocker. They know it's going to be a run. So we're seeing that we're eating it up. Like, Oh, it's going to be even next level the level 202, the 202 offense is coming. And that just didn't happen at all. Like, I mean, the the regression came just so fast. It it, it was horror. I mean, it's the same product that we're seeing now. And, And then, Switching it over to Ryan Pace, the draft picks were David Montgomery, which was a good pick. But again, he moved up for him. And I don't know if he had to. And even if he did, 
Damian Harris, that pick that we traded up, that that's where the, the Patriots, we traded up with the Patriots. He looks just as good as David Montgomery. And that's no yeah. disrespect. That's a good thing. They're both really good running backs, I think. But it was sort of a waste of a trade up. And then Riley Ridley played like one game in a Bears unit. I mean, what the hell are we doing? And then Duke Shelley, sixth round pick. So it is what it is, but he's not very good. And then Kareth White and then Steven Denver, who I don't think ever played. This is when the, the trade ups really started catching up to the Bears. And, and you know, yes. you, you have this team that's, you know, pretty well in good shape to, to make a run, but they weren't really able to add the depth and the, and the key players that I think they needed to, to really establish themselves as, as a, as a threat, you know, threatening team, if you will, like they, they just didn't have enough to work with because of a lot of the decisions that Ryan Pace made in terms of, you know, trading up and, and this yep. and that. So, yep. um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think for me, the last couple of negative marks on, and you actually brought this up to me. I, I, I didn't know this. I think this actually recently came out is that, um, we hire Chuck Pagano as defensive coordinator. And that that's not that's not even the worst part. The worst part is what you brought up. Uh, you sent me the tweet. Brandon Staley wanted to stay. He could have been our defensive coordinator that year. And I think we would have had a much, probably a very similar defense to the Vic Fangio defense. Yep. And we did not with Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano was the opposite of seek and destroy. He, he was sort of the start of this defense becoming bend but don't break, even though it was the same talent on defense. Yeah. Uh, Frank, you, you, you know, you know how I felt about Chuck Pagano getting hired yeah. from the, from, from the jump. I, I thought that was the absolute worst person they could have hired because yes, he's a great guy. Sure. And, and yes, he went through a lot as, as head coach, but I watched a lot of Colts games with him as the, def, as him as the head coach. And mm-hmm. he's definitely more of a head coach than he is a play caller. Like he, it's, it's, you know, I, I he was never a defensive genius. That Colts defense was never anything better than just okay. Um, and, and I really didn't want to see a guy like that move into that position where it, because a lot of the the thought was at the time was, oh, well, it doesn't matter who's, you know, who's the defensive coordinator. It, you know, it's the defense. But, dude, you saw the drop off. It clearly mattered because, you know what? He had guys in the wrong position. He had yeah. Eddie Jackson playing more of a strong safety instead of a free safety where he's better at takeaways. Like he just didn't put guys in the right spot. And and that was his problem in Indy. So uh, I was not surprised to see the defense kind of uh, take a step back. And it was going to happen regardless. He, the One of the t- biggest strengths of, of that 2018 defense was the fact that they were able to, to turn the ball over. You're not going to be able to do that. Like every yeah, single time, it's just not going to happen. So yeah, that was uh, not a surprise for me at all. And then for me, the net, the, the, this sort of ties into the 20, into 2020 where we're going now. This is another big knock on Matt Nagy. He, he scapegoats again. Another, this time it's a coach, Mark Helfrich, Helfrich, Helfrich. I don't know Helfrich. how to pronounce it, but Helfrich. Helfrich, who is one of the best offensive line coaches of all time. And he says he's the reason he didn't, he didn't say it, but he says it. He's the reason that the running game hasn't worked. We're, we're not on, we're on a different page. We just don't agree philosophically. And at that point, I, I'm pretty much out on Nagy at this point. I, I mean, we, you, you remember going into 2020, we were not optimistic anymore no. about Mitch, no. about 
um, Matt Nagy about this offense as a whole, and the defense had already looked like it, it had taken some steps back. So you go into 2020, you completely scapegoat your assistant coaches. <clears throat> you bring Bill Lazor in, you bring Juan Castillo in for the offensive line. That doesn't really change all that much because Nagy doesn't want to run the ball. That's just not what he does. He's, he wasn't hired to, to, to uh, call plays out of the I formation, according to himself. Um, <clears throat> and we look at the draft pick for tw- the draft picks for 2020. Cole Komet, who again is making strides. We could have had a better tight end though. Jalen Johnson, who was pick, by the way, second second round pick. Remember that, right? Second round pick because they didn't have their first because of the Khalil Mack trade because Leonard Floyd didn't become the guy who they thought he would be. So exactly, (laughs) it's all it's all a domino effect. Jalen Johnson, who is a stud, very good pick. I mean, Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith are his are his two best picks by far. Like I don't think any anything else even comes close to to his picks. Um, Travis Gibson seems like a player. I like him. He may just only be depth for a fifth round pick. That's really good. Kendall Vildor should be shown the door next year. He's atrocious. Um, Darnell Mooney, another solid pick for a fifth rounder. That's a startable wide receiver. He's probably a wide receiver two or three, but for the fifth round, that's good. The last two, Lachavia Simmons is, is not very good. I've never heard of Arlington Hambright. I don't know if he's still in a Bears uniform anymore. Um, oh, I yeah. Don't- me like. neither. But overall, that's not, that's not an awful. That's probably that's probably his best. Um, yeah, it, it probably was his best draft. But yeah. Frank, you got to remember, he completely contradicts himself with a really good draft, with a really bad trade in that same season because that's when he traded for Nick Foles with that terrible yep. contract, and <laughs> you know, I, it, it's bad now. It's just bad overall. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what it is with the Bears, and this is why it's been as frustrating as it was, you know, with Matt Nagy, with Mitch Trubisky to a certain degree, with Ryan Pace, because Frank and I have said it a number of times. If you're going to be bad, just be bad. Yeah. Just let us know, you know, like, like just stop making us have to guess and play these games where it's like, yeah. okay, so, like, if they do this, you know, you know, how good can they be? It's like, just let us, you know, just tell us who you are. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. And, and for, to clarify that, I feel like that thought that we've had and us saying that, um, it's sort of evolved from the point of like our, uh, what we, what me and Jack think is you can call very conservative games. You can be very conservative to keep things close and you're going to have a ton of, this is NFL elite talent. If you coach that way, if you coach not to lose, you're going to have a ton of really close games in this league because these guys can play. But what we mean by that is like, we don't, we also can't evaluate you that way either because you're not showing us anything. You're not showing if, and that, that was what we're talking about when it came to Mitch, let him throw down field, dude. If he can't make those throws, let us see it and let us see, at least see why you're being so conservative. But we had no, like, is he just bad? Can he not make the reads? What is happening exactly? Cause you're starting the guy. You have to loosen up a defense anyway. And it was the same thing just with the, uh, not just with, you know, unleashing Mitch, but it was like telling him not to run anymore. Tell, like ha, d- d- calling certain plays at certain times, so, ha, you know, not calling timeouts, letting halves go to waste when we have two timeouts to go with 40 seconds. You know, I mean, a lot of things like that. And it was just like, dude, if you're a bad coach, show us that, like, just yeah. go for broke. And he's sort of showing us that he's sort of like letting his nuts hang this year. Like, fuck it. We're going to do it all. <laughs> cool. You're going out the way you should be. You shouldn't be going out with your, with your, you know, tail tucked in between. You're like, go out with fucking some style. Get, get, get the hell out there. Um, but that, that was our biggest gripe to that point is like, dude, 
we're a middling team at this point, but we're only middling because of how conservative that you're being. If you are really calling games to try to win games, that 2020 team probably wins five games instead of eight. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and again, that sounds silly to some people, but it's, it's not, I think people who know football understand what we're saying when it comes to that. Like, that's why we've been so upset this year with him. Oh, you know, we we can't start Jenkins over the hall of famer because Dude, the seasons are like you're trying to scratch and claw at every win to make your resume look better. It doesn't matter, dude. It, it, it's over with. Yeah. Like you, you can coach to the quote unquote better player right now. Sure, you can justify it that way, but we all know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and yeah, I mean, seeing his quotes about Jason Peters, like to a certain degree, I I I I, I get it because you know Jason Peters is a guy who I think deserves that that respect. But I also think that Jason Peters would understand if you're like, listen, man, you know, we appreciate what you did. You know, you were fishing on your boat. You, you decided to come help yep. us out. We appreciate that. But, you know, we, you know, we know this isn't going anywhere. You know, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Let's uh, we're going to give the kid a shot and, and, you know, see what he's got. OK, cool. I would expect that from Jason Peters. Like, I, I really yeah. would. And, and the stuff with, you know, naming guys, different captains. I mean, I, I can't wait for that to end. Dude, your best players are captains. And and that's how you show player, you know, show your players respect. And I, I, I get a lot of people like like Matt Nagy in the locker room, but players have to understand why fans are just tired of them, man. Because, yeah. you know, you, you brought up a good point where you're like, you know, fans are trying to understand where you're coming. He he just doesn't really explain it all that well. Like he sounds like in, in 2018, I thought he was it was refreshing because he was like you know, you could kind of understand where he's coming from, right? But then, you know, the more, the more it, he clearly doesn't have the answers, the more you're like, okay, all right, I, he's grasping for straws. Like you can hear him trying to like convince himself of stuff that he's like, eh, does this make sense? And like that type of stuff. And you're just like, all right, man, like let's let's call it a day here. Let's let's wrap it up. So. Um, yeah, man. And then, you know, like you said, 2021 comes They're They're always talking about the you know, collaboration and whatnot. And, and yep. that's and I, I've said this in, in the past podcast. And I appreciate you for reminding me this, Frank, that I did say it because uh, I didn't want to act like I was you know, coming up with a new point or anything like that. But like you. It, it, it's to the point where I don't think either should be able to be separated. I, I, you asked me the question early, you know, start the podcast. If you had to pick either or, I don't think that's a question that needs to be asked because they should both be tied together because of what we were told, right? These guys are, you know, collaboration, every decision that they make and they do it together. Like that's, that to me, says that they shouldn't be able to be separated, but it clearly seems like that is going to happen, which I think is mind boggling. I, I agree. And that was exactly why once we got to 2018 with the hire of Matt Nagy, I wanted to make sure we were discussing both rather uh, versus doing just Ryan Pace and then doing the whole timeline over again with just Nagy because they they said we, we are uh, this is a collaborative effort. They sat up after that 2020 season and said, hey, we do things together. This is a collaboration. So this podcast became a collaboration because of that. Uh, but before we officially go over to 2021, Jack, the one thing we can we would be remiss to leave out would be 2020 was the first year that Matt Nagy gave up play calling. And when he gave up play calling, the offense looked a lot more fluid and we actually started scoring and we were moving the ball. But then his ego couldn't take that and he took it back at the end of the year and it went right back to being bland. That leads us into 2020. 
Is he going to call plays? Is he not going to call plays? He wound up calling the plays at first, then gave it back up to Bill Lazor again, and then he's recently taking it, taking it back. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it didn't look that much better with Laser, and even in 2020, it did not. But again, there was like a you, you could see that there was a vision and a plan. Because if you remember, this is one thing we didn't touch on in 2019, but like mid 2019, a lot of scouts were like, it looks like he just calls random plays, he yep. being Matt Nagy, to see what's going to work. It doesn't look like none of this fits. Like none of the plays he's calling fit. None of them, like, because, and one sort of explained it like, you know, you do certain plays early to set up a play late to set up a play when you may need it. You sort of give them the same look and run four different plays out of it so the defense doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't do that. There's nothing like that. It's, it's just randomness all throughout. It doesn't matter, you know, how well they're running the ball that day. It doesn't matter if this route worked. It, it just, he's throwing shit and seeing what, you know, seeing what sticks. What sticks. Yeah. And once that was said, and we came here on this podcast, we were, I think we're still doing the podcast. I know we took the hiatus, but I think we said, that's really what, once someone said that, I was like, holy shit. That's exactly what this looks like. Like yeah. that—that that is insane, and it's looked like that ever since. And then going into this year, um, I mean, did we have expectation expectations for this year? Like, yes, I, yes, I, and and I, I will, I will let me let me kind of preface that in terms of what I mean by having expectations. Uh, yes, we did have expectations. We expected Justin Fields to play well and see what kind of pieces can grow. I don't think you and I really expected anyone to really last longer, you know, past this season, if I'm being honest with you. And I think you and I were both correct in that assessment. Um, I, I, we, we, we expected to, but, but I think there was still part of me, right. There was still a part of me where it was kind of like, okay, all right, this is it, man. Like you have Andy Dalton, you have, you have Justin Fields, like, Prove to us that it's the quarterback issue that you're a bad coach or, or like prove to us that that's the reason why you haven't been successful in this league so far. And he wasn't able to do it, but he just proved more so that he is the problem, not not Mitch Trubisky, not the quarterback position to the point where Bears fans who, I mean, would just kill Mitch Trubisky were kind of like, oh, maybe it wasn't Mitch Trubisky. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you and I were never you and I never hated on Mitch Trubisky the way a lot of Bears fans saw. But we also understood why they were frustrated with him because we felt the same thing. I still don't think he's a good quarterback. I still right. think Matt Nagy, you know, he's a problem, but he, he was done no favors by Matt Nagy. And what I feel, what I'm glad about, Frank, if this is the way it's going to play out, if it plays out the way we think it will, I am glad that Justin Fields, who is clearly more talented than Mitch Trubisky, is at the tail end of, of you know, Matt Nagy and not, you know, they're not going to try to try to make this thing work his entire, you know, Bears career, at least, you know, seemingly. I agree. And and that's that's all I was going to say was like you, you, you went more in depth than I was. The only expectations that I had this year was to see Justin Fields play as much as possible. Um whether that would have been good, bad, or in between. I just like, if Justin Fields was not on the Bears this season, <laughs> I, I it would have been, it would have been what I did yesterday, Frank. And we'll talk about this when we get to uh, the, the main podcast with our picks. I did not watch a single second of that game. If I'm being 100% honest, 
Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't much. It, I, I didn't watch very much. It just, it's, yeah, that's exactly what this year would have been like for me. So I'm very grateful that we did draft Justin Fields. Um, but looking at the 2021 draft picks, right now, this may wind up being Ryan Pace's best draft, but we don't know. It's going to take a little bit, but Justin Fields, I've liked the progression that I've seen from him from start one to where he finished. Tevin Jenkins hopefully winds up being a pretty good offensive line. I know he started off rough, but you see the ta- you see the makings of a good left tackle there. Larry Borum has played very well at right tackle. Uh, Khalil Herbert looks really good. Six-round pick. We have no idea about Daz Newsome. Thomas Graham looks solid. He's certainly not someone I'm just saying, hey, you're the starter next year, but he should be able to compete for a job next year. Um, and I have no idea. It, uh, Kyrus Tong, I know we've seen him a few times. I haven't particularly paid too close attention uh, to how well he's played, but he's a seven-round pick, whatever. But overall, from what we've seen from these guys so far, that's not a bad draft. That's a pretty good draft class right there. Um, <clears throat> to, to, uh, and to some people's point that may, may want to see Ryan Pace stay or think he will stay, they point to this draft class as potentially saving his job. I mean, think about it this way, Jack. I know we've come to this, and I know we both want to see him leave. But let's just say they re-sign Ryan Pace. Three years or four years to match the next coach. And Justin Fields winds up being a top-10 quarterback. Tevin Jenkins winds up being an all-pro left tackle. Larry Borum winds up being an all-pro right tackle. I know we have our gripes right now, and we would rather see him fire. But I'm just saying two years from now, I think we would eat those words because we would be in contention for years to come as long as they stood healthy because those are building blocks if if that happens. I'm not saying it has happened already. But people point, again, they point to this draft class as potentially saving his job. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's that absurd to suggest that it could. Um, I would just say I don't think it necessarily is a slam dunk that he deserves right. to, to stay, right? Like he... Part of his job is to find players to help him win. I look at it again. I, I've said this before for sure. I know. I know. I have no doubt said this. For me, it's not necessarily just in the scope of him being a drafter or uh, you know a guy who makes trades or a guy who signs players. It's not just on the player personnel side. I look at it from like a leadership standpoint. And, and it, granted, we don't see everything that goes on at Hallis Hall. Um, or, you know, we're obviously not privy to the conversations that are had in that building throughout the week, the offseason, whatever. But there are just some things I, I don't like the way that he operates, where he goes silent a lot. Um, the whole thing with Nagy in the, in the Thanksgiving game where Ryan Pace doesn't even talk, like he doesn't come out and just be you don't say anything. He kind of just leaves Matt to deal with it on his own. Like regardless of how ridiculous that, you know, he, they, he, they may have thought that was where they're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, where is this even coming from? Who cares? Ignore it. He's clearly going to get asked those questions, just where the bears are um, as an organization, uh, you know, where, how the off season went, you know, things like that. They're going to be asked a question about it and, and to not have your, you know, talk to your head coach and like, let him know, hey, this is what's going on. I just don't like that. That's not a good leader to me. And I really want someone in this in this organization as the, the leader of this team to be to be good at leading the team. Like I don't think that's a crazy thing to ask for, man. <laughs> I, I I agree. And and we've seen what we've seen this this year. 
it's not a good team. I think they've showed that there's levels between like a below average team and a bad team. And I think they're probably below average versus like the Giants who are really bad and the Lions who are really bad. The Jaguars, we're not there. But again, we're below mediocrity at this point. And, and it shouldn't be acceptable for this city and these fans to have to continue to deal with that. But <clears throat> I think my closing thoughts, again, if we had to pick between the two, I'll reiterate you, you stay with Pace because he's done an overall better job at his job than Matt Nagy has. And to your point, I don't think Pace has been a um, a con artist the way that Nagy has been. And as, as I sort of thought about this episode and thought about things that I wanted to say and make sure that I touched on, one of them was, you know, it's, it's sort of not surprising to me that Matt Nagy couldn't even look at his own roster and see where talent was when you think about Guys like Sam Mustafer being on the, the practice squad way too long when James Daniels showed you he couldn't snap the football correctly, um, even though that's not a knock on him. He's just not really a center. He's a guard. Um, and then this year with Thomas Graham being on the practice squad so long, the comments about like, wow, Justin's really showing us things that we hadn't seen now that he's with the ones. Like, yeah, no shit. But it's like Matt Nagy couldn't even look in the mirror and see what his strengths were. Do you understand what I'm saying? Matt, and, and this has been our point, and I think we, well, I don't want to say we, I think I have articulated what, what I meant by this wrong in the past. I want to make sure I get it right with this one. Matt Nagy has all the qualities to be a good NFL head coach. He's a good leader. He's a player's coach. The people on his team really like him. No one has said a negative thing about this guy. Cause I think he's a, just like you've been saying, he's a likable guy. He's a good dude. He hasn't recognized that that's his job more than being the offensive coordinator. He has too big of an ego. His ego has made him become a bad overall coach because he wants his fingerprints on every single thing that happens with this offense. He hasn't been able to disconnect what um, what he was hired for, I guess. Like, had he just been able to unplug that and say, hey, I... The offense just isn't for me. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm the head coach. I, I have to I have head coaching duties. I have to lead this team. I will find someone and we'll, we'll fix the offense together. I'll still have my hand in it, but the offensive coordinator is going to be the, the person who you know who does this. And had he done that, we may be we may have been way better off with that. And maybe Mitch Trubisky develops to be something. Maybe so we can get someone in that can actually work to his strengths and continue to let him get better. But <clears throat> Nagy didn't recognize that he didn't recognize that those were his strengths. Yeah. It, like he, like he could have been here just as long as, as, um, as Lovey Smith, because they were very similar coaches outside of Lovey is actually a really good defensive coach. Like he, he knew what he was doing there versus nagging. Not, but in terms of their leadership styles is what I mean. They were such good leaders. No one speaks bad about Nagy. No one ever speaks bad about Lovey. They love Lovey Smith because he's a player's coach. He let adults be adults. He wasn't micromanaging. He wasn't an asshole to his players. He gave players leashes. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just, oh, immediate. It wasn't the Bill, but which, you know, Bill B earned that right. He's won a million Super Bowls. I get it. But I'm saying it wasn't that stringent, oh, I'm coming to work today. Guys really like playing for him. And he never, I don't think he recognized that. That's a much bigger part of being a head coach than you, you know, you wanting to be the offensive coordinator. But then it made me think, and this is my last thing, and I'll, t I'll toss it to you, Jack. It made me think, maybe because he only called four games in Kansas City, maybe he felt like an imposter. Maybe he had like imposter syndrome where it's like, well, now I have to call the games here. I had like that's what I got hired for. 
I have to do that. And it's like, he couldn't let it go because, or maybe like his ego didn't allow him to like, you know, I, I don't know. So, there's something, there's something there that will, I guess we'll probably never know the answer to, but yeah, I, I mean, he just never recognized what his strengths were as a head coach and he could have done much, much better here in Chicago, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think uh, a point to that, and this is kind of my last point as well. Um, and I and I I said this to you uh, not too you know not too long ago I think it was yesterday actually he just never got it man he just never understood and and I'm talking specifically this year he just never understood what his job was this year um, he clearly looked at it through the lens of well I got to win games to save my job and and this goes on the organization I think more so than anything because it's like. Well, if he thought that, there's there's clear clearly a reason that he thought that, right? They to me they didn't make it clear what his what his role was because yep. all they all they told us was, well, we want to see improvement. And and maybe for him, he saw improvement as, well, you know, we gotta win games with the roster we have, we gotta win more games than last year, we gotta win a playoff game. Whereas that that's clearly never what this season should have been about. Should have been about developing Justin Fields instead of starting uh, instead of starting Andy Dalton. Um, it should have been about, you know, Larry Borum playing it more. Obviously, he was hurt. Should have been proving that, uh, you know, Darnell Mooney was the guy that everyone talked him up to be uh, in the offseason. That's what this off. That's what this season should have been about. And it, Matt Nagy just never got it. He just never understood. He's still playing guys over. um you know, he's still playing veterans over guys who should be, you know, seeing what they can do in the NFL. And he he just never understood it. I, agree. I think that's all, ultimately what cost him his job, if I'm I, being honest. No, Ryan I, Pace, I totally agree. I, I think Ryan Pace should be fired. Um, sounds like that's not going to happen. We'll see, you know, what the reorganization looks like if he even is moved into a different position. Um, I just I just. If he is retained, Frank, I, I think it makes this entire podcast uh, a moot point because, no, I it, think... it, as you discussed at the beginning, it, these are symptoms, man. The root of the problem is the way that they're owned, is the way that they're run yep. at the very, 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 very top. And and if guys like Ryan Pace can survive after not winning playoff games for, for trading up, for making bad selections, for making bad trades, for making bad free agent signings, like I heard the name Marcus Wheaton today, and and oh. you got <laughs> yeah, there it is. That's I just the reaction threw up I was in my looking mouth for. A little bit. Hey, exactly. Oh. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm saying. Like that stuff shouldn't just be forgotten. And and I think I, that's yeah. fr- that's what's frustrating is that it just feels like it is forgotten because the front office doesn't care because they like Ryan Pace as a person, and that's frustrating, man. Because that's I, I it's to the point where. It's hard to care about the, him as a person because you just want to you just want to win. Like you just you're tired of the Packers yeah. kicking your asses as Bears fans. Like it's 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 terrible, man. We don't I don't care if Ryan Pace is a good guy at this point. I just want him to win football games. I agree, and I, I, the same can be said with um with Matt Nagy too. Is like I get it that they're good people. No one's saying that they're bad people, and they've been compensated well. If they both get fired, they're millionaires, dude. Like. People need to stop it. I mean, they, they did the same thing when we fired Rick Renteria to get Joe Madden. You, you're fired. You're celebrating firing a guy. Shut up. He's, <laughs> now he's getting a check from two fucking organizations at the same yeah, time. That go. dude doesn't give a shit. Are you kidding me right now? Ricky Renteria went right back into managing. But anyway, I, I mean, I, I don't think it makes it moot because for me, this is 
the reason why I thought this was important to do because th- this is our opinion. Th- this is our sort of open letter to the Chicago Bears and the McCaskies. This is why these two need listening. to be fired. Who definitely listen? George just texted me and told me to you know he he he's he got he's my FBI consider- agent to say yeah. shut this fucking thing down. And he's going to listen. He's, he's going to listen. listen. He's going to take no, but, a second look at, at how he's been doing things, and he's going to yeah. really consider what we had to say. Absolutely. But in all seriousness, though, I think it's important to let everyone know exactly where we stand, why we stand there, and then that way going into if we keep pace or he's just part of some sort of restructure, we have this here. Here's our evidence to say this is where we did stand, and whether we change our minds or not, and he winds up, maybe he's the GM, and he winds up continuing to do a really good job moving forward. You know, like, it, it's here. But to this point, this is how we feel, and this is why we feel that way. And this is why, at this moment, we feel like both should be fired. Yeah. Yeah, and and honestly, I think that, that kind of sums it up very well. Um, kind of hit all the points that I wanted to touch on today. So uh, I think this is where we'll end our extras podcast. We'll, we'll kind of keep seeing, you know, obviously they still have one more game to play for some strange reason. Uh, we'll talk about that in our, our regular podcast, week 18 specifically. Uh, we're going to make our picks. We will not be discussing uh, Bears-Giants because, like I just said and, and admitted to everybody who listens to this, I didn't watch a single – you know what, that's not true. I did watch some seconds because I did watch Red Zone and that was literally the, you know, I was kind of getting pissed though, Frank, because of Red Zone. I was like, I had seen at the bottom, you know, the score ticker at the bottom and I saw the Bears scored and it took them like, took them like five minutes to get to the Bears play. I'm like, listen, I get that there isn't a lot of, you know, but this is supposed to be the the channel that shows all the touchdowns. That's how they yeah. marketed themselves all the time. So I didn't understand why why we were getting shafted with that. I wanted to I wanted to see, <laughs> I wanted to see it. Yeah, it it was we've been shafted all right, Jackie. Yeah, so we've been uh, fucking shafted. Frank, let's head over to the main pod. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening to the extras. This will be YouTube exclusive as always. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And uh, yeah, Frank, let's uh, let's head over there, man. Yep. See you there.